Welcome, guys and gals, to the Man Talks podcast. I'm Connor Beaton, the host and founder of Man Talks. This podcast brings together the best thought leaders, teachers, and extraordinary individuals to teach and mentor you on how to be a top performer in life, love, and business. Imagine having experienced mentors with decades of wisdom delivered right to your ears. On this podcast, we'll talk about things like purpose, legacy, love, influence, sex, success, wealth, and so much more. Don't forget to leave us a review if you've enjoyed what you heard. Subscribe and join the other thousands and thousands of changemakers in our community on Facebook or go to www.mantalks.com for more blog posts, podcasts, and videos from our live event. Today I have a friend with me named Jim Shields. Jim is the business partner of Brian Scrone, who we had on, and he's on a clear mission in his lifetime, which is to deepen relationships and improve education for entrepreneur families. So Jim is the co-founder of an organization called Board Meetings, and what they are up to, what they're really committed to, is helping entrepreneurs, helping professionals deepen their relationships with their families, with their partners, with their loved ones. So on this episode, we actually dive into a few different things, but all of it relates to being able to find a sense of balance between your work and your home life. So Jim shares some incredible stories, not only from his own personal life, but from people that he's worked with through the work that he does. So Jim has a a very, very successful real estate company. He's got a family of four, two of which are adopted sons. And he shares some insight into how he's managed to make that work how he's managed to build the life that he's built from a success success standpoint, not just from wealth, but from fulfillment. And so we dive into that and he shares some very practical tools and awareness pieces that can help you find the balance that probably you're looking for because we've had a lot of people reach out to us uh, through the Facebook page, through the email saying, hey, can you talk a little bit more about balance personally and professionally? And so that's what this episode is all about. So without any further ado, I would love to introduce you to Mr. Jim Shields. All right, Jim, thank you so much for joining me on the Man Talks podcast. Uh, thanks for having me, Connor. So I'm excited to interview today because we have known of each other for quite a long time, but never actually connected. And, and <laughs> I've heard some incredible, incredible things about you. Oh, ditto, ditto. I know. It's pretty funny. We've missed each other about... I'd say 15 times, no less. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so we're going to start, we're going to kick things off. Can you share a story about yourself and your life, a defining moment, a story about a defining moment in your life that has made you who you are today? That's a great question. I mean, right away, there's two that come to mind and two that definitely really dig deep for you. And the first would be adopting my two sons. I have four kids, but my first two sons are adopted. And the second would be donating a kidney to my father. Um, they were in about a year's span of each other. And, and right away when you ask that, shoot, that's where I went to. Nice, man. Nice. And, and what what led you to wanting to adopt your, your kids? Well, my wife and I met uh, by chance on her 29th birthday and we've talked every day since 
it was almost instant. Uh, you've heard about that. And I was one of those guys, and I'm sure there's plenty of people in your community, especially if they're single, they're like, when you're not looking, it's going to happen. You're like, if someone else says that to me, I'm going to, you know, you want to elbow the guy in the mouth for saying that or, or whoever. And we met, we fell in love. Uh, she was divorced uh, with full custody of her two sons. Uh, she had been divorced for about five years and had full custody. Uh, and the boys and I hit it off famously uh, right away. And after getting to know each other, all in love, engaged, married, the boys asked me to adopt them. And I said, absolutely. So it, it was kind of a very natural transition and something that I was very open to, um, but wasn't going to do unless they asked me. In fact, I remember the youngest saying, do I have to call you dad or can I call you Jim? And this is before the adoption. I said, whatever you want to call me is okay. I'm going to love you just the same. And I think taking that pressure off, I mean, all they call me now is dad, but it was, it was a really kind of a, we are probably the luckiest blended family in the world, Connor. Yeah, that's pretty incredible because I know a lot of people when they get together and there's, you know, already children involved, and I'm sure that there's some step parents tuned in on, on this episode who really struggle to manage that. And I know for myself growing up in, in a divorced family, I know for me, there was a lot of, there's a lot of rebellion, uh, you know, against, against my stepdad. And I know a lot of my friends have gone through similar things, whether, you know, whether they are parents to a stepchild or, or whatever the case may be. And so how have you managed that? <laughs> because it sounds like, it sounds like you have a really great relationship with them. And I'm hoping you can share some insights with our listeners on on how to actually manage that situation. Yeah, and and again, I'm kind of lucky where it's it's it, I call it luck now, but obviously my wife had a very bad first marriage, and obviously that's why she had full custody. So I kind of was lucky where I stepped into a full role. There wasn't he wasn't involved. There's there's no sharing. Um, they were seven and five uh, when I came on the scene, so. Uh, I had had a rule, actually, Connor, no dating girls with kids. I said, that's a rule. And this was like my big exception. And it's like, thank God I got rid of that rule. We just, we had an instant camaraderie and trust uh, that that built pretty quickly. And there wasn't really another third party. So I understand with these divorcees and a stepfather or mother coming in, it can be difficult. And the, the best advice I can give you is as much as I... I might have wanted to or been justified even possibly in my own mind to, I have never, ever said a bad word to them about the history before me, about their biological dad, ever. And I probably have plenty of reasons I could, but I have not because I thought that would hurt them and confuse them, and I thought that would take me away from them. So that that was a big, big uh, plus. Um, I think that, you know, there's plenty of things I did wrong, Connor, but that's one thing I'm very proud about. You know, seven years later... I've never said a bad word. Uh, I've let them know that I'll always be here and I'll always be here to protect them and nothing could ever happen with me here. Uh, and that kind of relieves some stuff that happened before I was there. But I've never said a bad word. And I think that's really important, especially for divorcees and step parents. As much as you might feel justified, try not to say anything bad because it kind of pulls the kid in, which is, which is not a good situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it it is one of the things I see a lot of people occasionally fall into the trap of, regardless of whether it's parenting or whatnot, but they'll, they'll sort of leverage 
speaking bad about a previous parent or a previous partner as a means to try and win, you know, with their kids or, or whatever the case may be. And so I think that's, I think that's stellar advice, man. I think that's really great because so often we try and leverage other people's downfalls in order to sort of put ourselves in a, in a more favorable position. Yeah. But, it, but for most people it just ends up creating animosity or resentment. Right. So I think, I think that that's really great advice. So, and, and now you have your own kids in this, in this dynamic, right? So yeah. how many, you have four we children. Have, we have four kids. So two older boys, a daughter, and then a three month old son. And again, it's, there's, there's something for our house that's worked again, since I fully adopted uh, the boys, you know, went through all the legal channel, all that's done. We've never, unless I'm talking to a friend like you, Connor, I, I don't even really tell people. I, I used to clarify, I used to say, oh yeah, I have, you know, I have three kids or now I have four kids, two are adopted, one biological. I don't even say that anymore because I thought it would not be right to my, to my older boys. Uh, so one thing that I'm, we're, we're just a family. And I actually wrote a piece um, on this called the second place myth of adoption. I wrote it for my sons when my, my daughter was born. And the bottom line of it is I wrote up how I went through the birthing process and went through that. And I realized after going through that, I didn't feel any differently about my daughter than I did my, my two adopted sons. And I told them, you know, the bottom line is once you decide to love a child and go all in, the imaginary lines between adoptive and biological disappear and there becomes no difference. So that is a major theme in my house. And I'm sure there's other people out there that might be in the same situation. They had a, they, I know a lot of people had, they had one biological child. They had a lot of trouble, you know, having another. And so they adopted and it's been a, a wonderful experience, but something no one wants to talk about Connor. And this sounds a little harsh, but it's like the 800 pound gorilla. And that's why I call it the second place myth of adoption no one wants to really say it, but they say adopting a child. Yeah, that's great. But really deep down, I wouldn't want to say this out loud, man, that's a second place way to have a kid. There's no way you're going to be as close to them as you are a biological. And I think one of the biggest gifts that I've had, especially, and I've talked to some people who are considering adopting and in privacy, they were able to tell me this. I've been able to stand on both sides now of having adopted children and biological. And I can look anyone in the eye and say, there is absolutely no difference in my commitment, my love, my respect for them. And I think that that opens up all sorts of exciting channels for more people that have families that maybe couldn't. Uh, and also, when I released that piece through a friend, Christina Rasmussen, I got all these letters from people saying, you know, I was adopted and I always kind of felt that. And I know that's how my adopted mom or adopted dad felt or whatever it was. But this really clarified. So thank you. So I think that's... For me, that's one of the, the, the biggest things I've been able to part to other blended families, uh, just that that clarity. Mm. Yeah, I think that's some that's powerful insight because I actually know quite a few people who have been adopted or or who are considering adoption due to certain circumstances. And there there definitely is that sort of unspoken concern, you know, and it's great to hear that 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 is possible. Uh, from many different sides of the spectrum. And, and, you know, for oftentimes for kids that haven't adopted, there is this perspective that do my adopted parents love me in the same way that my biological parents could have. And so there's always that sort of like lingering thought. So it's nice to hear from the other side. You know, Jim, like one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on our podcast is because not only do you have this very strong family life and commitment to family life, but you're also an exceptional businessman. So can you unpack a little bit around some of the businesses that you that you have and have run and give us some insight into the success that you've had with those? Sure. 
first about 17 years ago, you're, I think you were roomed with him actually on a cruise. My business partner and good friend of yours, Brian Scrone, and I grew up together. We started a, a real estate investment company out in California, literally started with one property, saved our money and snowballed it from there and built a real estate investment company in California and then here in Florida. And we snowballed that into something a little more uh, passion driven, which was our uh, board meetings and family board meetings retreats, where we do retreats with entrepreneurs and their kids set to kind of a mastermind experiential format, which is made to help them deepen their connection and teach some of the lessons that aren't necessarily taught in school that our kids aren't getting, but, but we're getting at things like man talks and, and other top quality events. And that usually is around personal development, relationship skills, financial intelligence. So we love working with the families, but make no mistake, real estate investments pay the bills. We built a pretty big operation. I think one of the best things about our operation is we decided we didn't want to manage a lot of people. Uh, we kind of went that route. We actually went that route going into the meltdown, and we scraped the grounds of bankruptcy. Uh, because when you when when the market do- drops as big as it is, even with reserves, you're in trouble. But we protected our investors, licked our wounds, stayed the course, and rebuilt the company over the last nine years. And but we did it by using just subcontractors. We have two and a half employees where people are going. I can't believe you don't have twenty people on staff. I don't want 20 people on staff. I'd rather subcontract out to other business owners who can handle certain parts of the business for us. So real estate and education are kind of the combination that I work in. Uh, and I love to do some speaking, too. I, I've been invited to some great events to speak. And, and that's another thing that's kind of uh, calling to me and I'm starting to do more of. Very nice. Very nice. And so, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on here is because I've had a lot of people from our community reach out and say, you know, can you talk more about balance? Can you talk more about how to find that balance between managing a business or growing your professional life and having a family? We seem to have a lot of of young parents coming in or people that are, are just married and they're trying to find that groove of growing their professional life because they're, you know, in their early or mid thirties or, or even in their forties and their family. And so that's, that's why, that's why you're here, my friend. And and that's kind of what I wanted to dive into here. So can you share some, some insight from your side of, of what you've found have been some of the pitfalls that the majority of people fall into when trying to sort of quote unquote, attain this balance between personal and professional life? Sure. And I I think I have two support remedies as well. I think the biggest pitfall is especially for entrepreneurs who are building their own business, they feel like they have to sprint the whole way, that they cannot take any sort of of, uh, breaths of air. Uh, They just have to go, 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 and their family will understand. That's not true. Your kids didn't ask you to build this business. Yes, it's providing for them, but they want you. So there has to be some sort of uh, trade back. Uh, And what I've seen too many times when the biggest pitfalls is you know, with with great intention, with great honor, we kind of, you know, go running up that entrepreneurial mountain, but we go so hard, so fast without any sort of grounding, we turn around at one point and then we look around and no one's left around us or at worse, uh, the people who are, we're, we're pretty much a stranger to, especially the kids. So that's that's a common thing. In fact, I remember seeing an article, I talk about it in a lot of talks. It was uh, 2011. I think it was October 9th. There was an article released about the biographer of Steve Jobs, and they Time Magazine interviewed him, 
And what Steve Jobs opened up at at the very end was he wanted to use his final interviews to to find out why he wasn't always to to explain to his children why he wasn't always there for them. And he was hoping they would understand. And the biographer asked him, he said, are you glad you had kids? And he said, although Steve was sick, he looked at him right away and said, it's 10,000 times better than anything I've ever done. And I think what that includes your spouse, especially if you're truly in love. And that was really powerful because, and, and I really, I'm not coming down on Steve Jobs. I've learned huge lessons from him. Uh, and I'm, I appreciate the vulnerability of his biographer to, to be able to share these, these stories. And Steve saying he had some regret on that, that he wasn't always there. And I thought, wow, you don't hear about that when, when the, the murals were going up and the lighted candles were going. And I thought, how powerful is it that guys like you and I, Connor, although we'll do well, we can die a richer man than Steve Jobs. I truly, truly feel that. Uh, and all it takes, all I think it really takes, Connor, is two things. These are the two things I've, I've narrowed it down to. Rhythms and Sonny Corleone. And you're going, Jim, have you been drinking before this interview? No, I'll explain exactly what I mean about Sonny Corleone. But uh, Rhythms and Sonny Corleone are the two things that have really grounded me in family life. Hmm. Really interesting. I mean, just just before we go on to unpack the rhythms and Sunny Corleone, because I feel like there's some there's some great value in there. Um, I just wanted to reinforce that there was this recent study that was done that that showed that millennials, the generation, and and even a little bit of uh, of Gen Y, are but mostly millennials are going to be the first generation who will leave this earth, who will die with less than their parents, and it's not happening because you know, it's not happening because there's scarcity and there's not enough abundance out there. It's happening because they're choosing meaning and fulfillment over money. They're choosing meaning and fulfillment over just things. And a huge part of what you see a lot of, or at least what I see a lot of people really asking themselves it more and more is like, how do I find meaning versus just money? So there's like this balance, you know, it's like, what if I, what if I had to give up the Mercedes so that I could spend, you know, all the time with my family and that's the life that I actually want. Now, I'm not saying that you can't have the Mercedes and the life that, you know, that, that other life, that's, that's definitely not it. But, but there is certainly a price that needs to be paid with that. And there are sacrifices that come along with that. And a lot of people, you know, feel like they have to have one or the other. And so it's interesting to hear what you just said and, and have it correlated with, with research that backs it up. So with that, I'm so curious about the rhythms. Let's let's start with the rhythms and then we'll dive into Sonny Corleone. What, <laughs> unpack, unpack the rhythms for us. What, what does that mean? Okay, rhythms. So a mentor of mine is, he practices our family board meeting strategy, which is just a simple strategy I designed years ago that helps entrepreneurs stay connected to their kids. It's a real simple process every 90 days. Uh, and I speak on it quite a bit. He became a fan, mentor, did some real estate deals with us. And he has five kids, very, very successful, possibly close to a billionaire at this point. And he eats at home six nights a week. So he obviously, I liked what I saw there, that he had a loving marriage, that he was grounded. And I said, well, how are you doing this? And he said, exactly like what you're doing with your, your board meeting strategy with your kids. And now I'm doing those with my kids. I said, well, what? He's like, rhythmize your life set your life to rhythms around your highest values. And I said, you got to explain this. So I had him unpack it more, Connor. And what he said is, you, 
if you set clear rhythms in your life that you don't even have to think about, like every 90 days, Connor, this board meeting strategy, I meet with each one of my children one-on-one without electronics and do a fun activity of their choice with time to talk at the end for at least four hours uninterrupted. It's called, it's like our quarterly board meeting. I do that. I don't even have to think about it. I schedule it every 90 days, every 90 days. This is our special adventure individually with each of the kids. So he said, set it to more rhythms. Rhythms don't take away freedom. They actually create them, especially if you match them around your highest value. So an example, tonight is date night. Tuesday night for me, Connor, is date night with my wife. That is a serious thing. I don't even have to think about it because I'm a fire red entrepreneur. It's good I don't have to think about it because if I was keeping the schedule, probably wouldn't happen. But I know Tuesday night, date night, Tuesday night, date night. That's one of my rhythms. Another rhythm we have is we have family meeting every Sunday. We talk about the highlights of the week, things we could work on, things coming up, and if we're planning any adventures together. Sunday family meeting. My wife and I, usually through the spring and into the fall, uh, we, we almost every night, we do a walk, either up to the ocean or down to the intercoastal. We live on a little barrier island, and that's a real grounding rhythm. And what I like about rhythms, Connor, they're simple. Again, if you set them for the same time, it's like Tuesday date night, Sunday family uh, family meeting. Uh, we have Friday Friday night pizza night where we usually play a game. These are like simple rhythms that I really enjoy. I'm not being forced. And they these are the pillars of sanity. These are the pillars of going deeper into what is important to me uh, because they're they're very deliberate. And I like the word rhythms because the word habits, like you can have a habit of picking your nose in public. You can have a habit of drinking too much, of, of yelling at your employees. You know, habits seem, the word habit doesn't always have a good uh, reputation tied to it. But the word rhythms, again, I love music. I'm, I'm a real music guy. It has some soul. It has uh, that you know harmony element. So when he said rhythmize your life, you don't want to overdo it, of course. But if you set a few powerful rhythms, like starting with that one, like the work-life balance, if more people would simply set every day of the week, we have, we have new kids and all that, but I'm going to date my wife or my husband every Wednesday night, regardless, this is date night. And you don't even have to think about it. It, it just becomes a part of your, of your schedule. And by carving out that time and making everything else have to happen around it, that keeps you grounded. That keeps you fulfilled. That keeps your highest core values intact. That keeps your relationships intact and going deeper. Uh, I, I, with me, again, if you know any of the Colby stuff, Connor, I am, you know, I think an eight or nine quick start. If I didn't have these rhythms, there's a very good chance that I would not be able to develop the relationships that I have. Yeah, I think that's really powerful. And I love how you distinguish it from habits because I feel like there's so much frustration around habits right now. You know, like people, it, it's, it was a buzzword for a while. A lot of people were really trying to build better habits, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think for a lot of people, it's it's a challenge to even understand, you know, what their habits are and how to shift them, et cetera, et cetera. And I love the idea of being able to, of being able to have a rhythm because we all have a rhythm, you know, and like we all have a rhythm and a flow to our week and to our day. And so I, I really like this perspective in terms of how people can set up these rhythms. You know, it sounds like you have weekly rhythms. Is that, is that how you kind of set those up? I have, I have daily, I have weekly, uh, I have monthly and I have quarterly. 
So, and, and that sounds like, oh, that's a lot. Not really. Not when it's the things most important to you and you're looking forward to like, oh, I got to go on a date with my wife, you know, to a nice restaurant on the water and sit there and talk and joke and have a glass of wine. Like that's not hard. So I try to set them and I can give you an example. So daily, uh, a big, a big thing for our family is we do the five minute journal every morning. Uh, that's something we got our boys into through our retreats. Uh, so that is a daily rhythm uh, for us that we do. And at the end of the day, almost every day, my wife and I like to take a walk around the neighborhood, not an exercise walk, just a casual, leisurely walk, just to get outside, see the water and enjoy. Those are daily. Weekly, uh, we have game night. Uh, we have date night with my, with my wife. And then we have family meeting uh, on Sunday. And so that's, that's for that. Uh, monthly, uh, my wife and I try to do um, an overnight or some sort of adventure with the family. So you can see how these things, when, when you lay out the whole calendar, it's not that taxing on your schedule. Quite the opposite. When it gets taxing is when you try to cram this all in and say, man, I haven't played a game with my kids. I really want to sit down with them. And you're, you, you don't have a consistency of when you get used to doing it. Um, but those are just a few examples of daily, weekly, and monthly. And then quarterly, uh, quarterly, my wife and I definitely do an overnight together. Uh, somewhere just us and the boys and I and and now Maggie, you know, individually we will do some sort of adventure. It's their board meeting. It's their day. Um, I, that is my my most important meeting of that quarter is to meet individually with them one on one, something fun of their choice, and time to talk, space. And there's no electronics. Our phones are off for that, both theirs and mine. So the, the, that's a few examples. And if people just they have to decide their own values. My values might be a little different than theirs. Set a few. So again, for a lot of people saying, man, my wife, I'm working, I'm building this business. Good. The hell with one working late one night a week. That's date night. Pick it. Do it for the next six weeks. Get back to me. Tell me how you feel. And it's always, almost always a, a huge change. Yeah, I like that. And so for the listeners out there who are wanting to implement this, is it just a matter of, of sort of sitting down with your partner and creating what those rhythms look like on a daily, weekly and monthly basis? Because I feel like you know, being able to define those maybe for yourself, so your own personal rhythms, and then being able to define those as a as a family unit sounds like that's a really, uh, really important first step. Yeah, yeah, and and it's you. First of all, you want to enjoy what you're doing. You want to enjoy the rhythms. Again, it's not like you said, like those hard forced habits that people are trying to stick to. You know, it's a rhythm. It has it has some harmony to it, and you want to do it. But you pick those things. And what I really encourage, though, this, this is the secret sauce. Pick a day to just do it over and over and over and over, because then you don't even have to think about it. You don't even have to think about it. Uh, there's a lot, of, if you know about Montessori and Waldorf education, uh, my wife is, is really deep into that, has run a few schools. Uh, we even, a lot of the times, um, have rhythmized our meals, because the boys love that. So we'll have Taco Tuesday, Pizza Friday. Like it, it's just consistencies for the kids. And it, it, again, oh man, what are we going to have for dinner tonight? In the rush, it just simplifies your life, and it's it's it doesn't put you in chains. That's the one thing I want to make clear. It just simplifies. I mean, you hear about like Mark Zuckerberg and these guys wearing the same outfit. I don't want to say it's the same outfit because every date with my wife is different. Every game I play with my kids is different. Every board meeting I do with them, every family meeting we discuss something different. But those rhythms hold the outline for me to go deeper with each one of them, if that makes sense. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%, 110%. Uh, I, I really like the idea. So so just to just for time's sake, we're going to shift to the next part. So Sonny Corleone. So tell tell us <laughs> tell us about Sonny Corleone. <laughs> what I'm so curious about this now. <laughs> See, everyone's like, okay, you're losing it. And I know, I think you're in New York now, so it's very well themed. You know, I grew up in North Jersey. I've I've seen The Godfather 14 times, and probably around the time where you know heavy stuff in my life, good stuff, but heavy stuff. Adopting the boys, getting married, donating a kidney to my father. I don't remember the exact day but I was watching The Godfather. And th- what happened was, l- look, let's preface this. Sonny Corleone was not a good godfather. Um, he wasn't, wasn't a good dad. He wasn't, uh, d- didn't seem like a good husband. But he said one line that, I've seen enough lines that are good twisted for bad. So I kind of took a, a line that was kind of twisted for bad and twisted it for good. And if you remember that one scene where Sonny's going off his rocker, he's uh, put out hits on the Tatalia family, uh, so they're, they're going to all-out war. And Tom Hagen is trying to talk to him and say, Sonny, this, is pers- this isn't personal, this is business. And he's, and he's giving him this hard time, and they're arguing back and forth. And Sonny just chops the argument down and just shuts it down by going, you know what? Well, then business is going to have to suffer. And that one line just hit me, Connor. I don't know what it was that day, but he was talking about he was obviously upset. His, his, his father had been hurt. And he was saying, when it came to my family, business is going to have to suffer. And maybe it was more his ego or whatever. But I took that line and I really internalized it. And it seemed silly. I didn't even want to share it at first. I remember the first time I shared this at a dad's retreat in Philadelphia. I said, I can't believe I'm going to tell this story. And these guys said, Man, that just puts it in such perspective because these guys were, you know, building and building, trying to do this and trying to do that. And well, I can open up this other market and da, da, da. And as you said, things can change when you have a family. And I've just I've created this mechanism within me where I will say literally myself, well, you know what? Then business is going to have to suffer. And no one says that business for us, you know, go, go, go high performers, business can't suffer. What do you mean? You got to have a, have, have your cake and eat it too. And this, no, no, no. I could have probably opened up two more real estate markets and made a lot more money. I would have been on a plane every second day. I don't want that business is going to have to suffer. You know, when I'm upstairs and I'm reading a story like curious George to my two and a half year old. And you know, that thought of, Oh, that son of a bitch who didn't finish that contract. And you know, you start to have, you know, not your friendliest thoughts or stress about something. I'll catch myself and say, uh, 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 business is going to have to suffer right now. I'm with my daughter doing Curious George. So the Sonny Corleone, that simple line, Connor, is, is something that I just go back to where it's almost like putting your hands out and, and just being comfortable with saying, well, business is going to have to suffer. And what I found is the interesting thing. What I found is when you take that approach, something happens. First of all, business usually doesn't suffer, but you have a better grounding because what I found is for me, my family is more important than my business. And by saying this saying to myself, this Sonny Corleone, it keeps that in check. And what will happen is I'll say, okay, I'm not going to be on a plane every third day. How else can I build the business? Okay. Business is going to have to suffer that way. How do I redo it? Do I really need to be thinking about those four emails I didn't answer right now? No, business can have to suffer. It can it can be done in the morning. So hopefully that makes sense. But as you can see, a kind of bad dude, 
gave me a good line that that's really helped ground me. And, and the more I share it, the more people say, man, I was, I was in that same place. And I said it and it just relaxed me right away. No, I like it, man. I, I think what you're really talking about is is twofold. It sounds like that line really brings you back into the present moment, first and foremost. And secondly, it sounds like that is a filter for for you and potentially other people to allow them to know what enough is, you know, because so often we get caught, especially I see a lot of men get getting caught on the hamster wheel of more, 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 more. And it's all about business. And, and what ends up happening is that their family suffers and then they feel out of alignment, you know, and so with like we have a couple uh, performance mastermind groups for guys that are running businesses that are over 500K. And a lot of them are, you know, they're multimillionaires. They're running multimillion dollar businesses. And they've gotten to this spot where even though their business is hugely successful and highly lucrative, there's still a part of them that is unhappy and feels, you know, quote unquote, unsuccessful. And a big part of it is because they, they haven't allowed this, this perspective to show up in their life. And so they feel imbalanced in their family and their friendships, you know, in the intimacy with their partner. And, but you know, the, their business is, is taking precedence over everything else when they've built it up to a point where, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily need to be. And so I really like this, this container and this, and this filter because it can, it can create a, a space where, where people bring their priorities back into check. Yeah, it really does. And and I think entrepreneurs have gotten a, a, a bit of bad advice where I believe in growth, but it's not growth at all costs. Like I had a buddy that I was speaking to, Connor, two weeks ago. He's doing like six million a year. And he's like, well, I'm feeling if I'm about, you know, this, I might, I was like, why? Why do you have to grow more? Do you need more? Oh, no, I can't believe I would even, I'm at this point, da, 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 and I'm taking the kids every day. And I'm like, well, who is who is this imaginary uh, dictator standing over you saying that you have to have huge growth? It's not always if you're if you're if you're not growing, you're dying. Sometimes if you're growing, you are dying, if that makes sense. So there's a there's there's a balance there uh, for sure. And I, I think, again, we all watch The Godfather, at least most of us. And that line, once you remember it, it this is just one of those silly things that sticks. So I thought it was worth sharing. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's interesting because we actually had Gary Vaynerchuk speak at one of our, our recent events in, in March. And one of the things that he he was talking about, you know, somebody asked him a question about balance because he sort of embodies this hustle, you know, work, sacrifice everything for the sake of growth. And, you know, they they were sort of asking him about how you find balance and, and whether or not that's important to you. And I think his response was something along the lines of it really depends on what you life, what you want your life to be. And are you willing to sacrifice everything, you know, for for what you want to accomplish and what you want to achieve? And he said, I have a chance to be one of the all time great entrepreneurs. That's what I'm working towards. And not everybody A, has that chance and not everybody B, wants that, you know, some people make the, you know, 500K or the 100,000, you know, whatever the case may be. And, and that's, that's good for them. You know, that's, that's exactly what they want because it gives them the freedom in their life. And it sounds like what you're talking about is really defining what that is, what that sense of freedom is in your life. And so that kind of segues into my last question, you know, before the call, you touched on this, on this concept, I think it was called sanity pillars. Is that, is that right? Yeah. yeah the sanity pillars, again, go back to the rhythms, uh, rhythms, just those are sanity pillars. 
Because if, if all of a sudden, here's what I see, Connor. There's busy entrepreneurs. They'll hit the ground running in January. All of a sudden, August, September, they'll turn around and go, man, I haven't spent any time with my wife or kids. I meant to. I was going to, you know, it didn't happen. You don't, you could, you could get the same amount of work, probably more done, because you're going to have more inspiration and, and more refueling if you just had set some solid rhythms like I talked about between January and September, but as you go out of the gate. So the sanity pillars for me, which keep me, cause I have a fire red, not as, not as strong as Gary, but um, you know, desire to create and, and build and do that. And as I do that, I don't want to forget what's most important to me. And that is absolutely time with myself, time with my wife, time with my kids and time with, you know, my close friends And if you set some rhythms to each one of those that you don't have to think about, it's kind of fun to figure them out. Like maybe you have, if you're married by now, a monthly bar night where you and your buddies go out, you're telling inappropriate office jokes and having a few beers. And man, that just is such a grounding thing. Great. Set the rhythms around your values and what makes you happy. And that's my sanity pillars. Absolutely. The rhythms. Incredible, man. Incredible. Well, uh, we got to wrap up this podcast because we're just about out of time. But uh, for all the listeners out there that want to learn more about you, about board meetings, about the work that you're doing in the world, where can they find you? Sure. If you want to learn more about what we do, um, we help entrepreneur families be successful not only at work, but at home. Uh, that will be at www.familyboardmeetings.com. Incredible. And last but not least, what are you most excited about up and coming in the future for you or one of your organizations or family? What I am most excited about is the shift I'm seeing in education for our kids. I'm very involved with a lot of the movement and the changes, and I absolutely love it because I think better learning and better education for our kids is just going to be a game changer uh, for the whole world. And I love the changes I'm starting to finally see in that dinosaur. So that's what I'm most excited about, some of the projects we're working on around that. Incredible, brother. Well, I love it. And I, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. You, you brought some serious perspective around family and balance and, and being highly successful all at the same time. So I really appreciate you being on here. Thanks, bro. Yeah, we're going to meet sooner or later. I hope so. I hope so. And for everybody out there in uh, in Mantox land to check out more podcasts, go to www.mantox.com for all the blog posts and some of the live videos from our events around North America. Until next week, this is Connor Beaton signing off. 